And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are on the third episode now of Picked Off. This is the KCR Sports Radio Talk Show. We are at the Sound of State. I am, of course, your host, Jason Freund, and I am joined by my two main co-hosts in... I'm Brevin Honda. And I'm Andrew Finley. All right, well, gentlemen, this is a... If you're a baseball fan today, I'm pretty sure this is like a mini version of Christmas for you because there are a lot of games on the slot right now. There are stories going on right now. There is everything a baseball fan could want is happening right now at the moment as we are recording this on Wednesday, September 30th. That is the date of recording. It will be posted up later on in the week, I question mark. So anyway... This upcoming Monday. Upcoming Monday. It'll be played on air this upcoming Monday, but you might hear earlier on Spotify. Who knows what will happen if I'm not busy enough with homework or general college fun things. It happens. So let's actually, let's hop in right now. And we're going to, of course, talk about our main team right here in the San Diego Padres, who have just come out with their wild card roster. Some pretty... Very big decisions made on this roster because, for one example, we have Luis Patino and Luis Campusano both making the roster. Patino is, of course, one of our top prospects. It's a pitcher. Campusano, perhaps the next great catcher to be in San Diego. But no Mike Clevenger and no Denelson Lamet. Yeah, that was pretty surprising. I think it just shows the how, I think, cautious the Padres are being about the injuries to Clevenger and Lamette, I think, as much as you, know, you want them, I think it's also possibly looking ahead, you know, believing that you can win the series that you're facing right now, but then also looking forward to the following series. And if you think about who that would potentially be against, that would be the winner of the Milwaukee Brewers Los Angeles Dodgers series, um, as the Dodgers being that one seed. And if you don't start Pat, We'll get to Paddock a little bit later. But if you start, if you don't start Lamette and Clevenger in this series, you have them for potentially against the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Right. I completely agree with that. And this also goes with, um, yeah, we won't have them for this series and we'll have them for future series. But this is also about having them um, in the future for years to come. You know, if we take them, if we put them in too early and they sustain, a huge injury need Tommy John surgery out of a playoff game. We won't have him for 2021 and 2022, possibly in 2022. I mean, and our team is set up to be successful for the next, um, at least at the most a decade. And those two are a big part of it. And we don't want to rush him back too soon. And this also shows as we're going to talk about real soon, how confident, the Padres are the front office and um, Chris Paddock and Zach Davies, you know? Um, so it's a big blow not to have Clevenger or Lamette, but I think it's a smart move. And I think the Padres are confident that they'll come out on top regardless of whether they're on the roster or not. Yeah. It's weird because Clevenger pitched a bullpen actually yesterday and they want to see how it was faring today. And, while Denel Slamet, I don't believe, threw a bullpen yesterday, he did throw from about 120 feet. And basing off what happened with those two guys after a bullpen, I guess they just weren't confident enough in their arms, I guess, and how healthy they were for their arms. So they decided to have them rest for this series. If you get knocked out of the playoffs, okay, you still have them begin the rehab process early for next season. 
But if you do advance and you beat the Cardinals, then you do get to be – you potentially have Mike Clevenger and Nelson Lamette for that game – for that next series against potentially the Dodgers or the Brewers, whoever it is that comes on top. But we did see, of course, Patino, Campisano are still on the on – the, um, on the roster. Gosh, I'm getting my words mixed up here. But interesting choice for game one as Chris Paddock is the man for the plan here on game one for against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I think this is the type of start that Chris Paddock was born for. You know, you, he's the sheriff. He's got all this energy and he pitched opening day. And the weird thing about Chris Paddock is that when he is on, he's He's an elite pitcher, but people always tend to remember the negative. They always remember when he gave up six earned runs in less than two innings to the Dodgers. They remember when he got embarrassed by the A's and um, on Fox Sports One. And but they they forget to realize that he had an opening day start that was dominant against the Diamondbacks and went into Coors Field and pitched six innings of shutout baseball. That's not easy to do. So. This is the kind of start that Paddock was made for. Whether whether he had an amazing year statistics-wise or not, this is Paddock's day, and he's going to show everyone why he's the sheriff. Yeah, I think, too, on top of that, you know, you look at in terms of rest, and, you know, this is Paddock's regular rest day and the day he would pitch on here on September 30th. And it's also, you know, it's, you know, people feel like he's taking, like, five or six steps back but really it doesn't really feel like that it's just really maybe taking his like one and maybe two steps back and you know and comparing that really to you know like a player like an Eric Lauer or Joey Casey who's not even in this in their starting in the starting rotation for both the Brewers for Lauer and here in the Padres for the Casey and it's and I think that's just because of the the high expectations that we set for a guy like Chris Paddock also, one, also something I want to add, it's, I think it's a good move to have Paddock go first and have him followed by Zach Davies because in terms of the two pitchers, Zach Davies has been the better pitcher so far this season. So if Paddock loses this game today, you still have Zach Davies to fall back on in game two. And, and while Chris Paddock, he's struggled to go far this season. Like in some innings, some games he's gone seven innings, other games he's gone three. Zach Davies has consistently gone six innings, seven innings, almost every game. He's consistently saved that bullpen. So you need a guy. The, the plan originally, it was going to be Lamette, probably Davies in game two, and then Clevenger in game three if you needed him. That obviously went out the window because the baseball gods decided to have more fun with San Diego because apparently we're cursed. It's unfortunate, but hey, it happens because we're San Diego. Like However, it's the Matt Holiday curse. That's right. The Matt Holiday curse. If if he touches home plate, this curse is lifted. He just needs to touch home plate. But of course, he's never going to do it because he's seemingly forgot how to do it. But the fact that you have Paddock going first shows a lot of this. This San Diego team has a lot of confidence in this guy. And if you look at his starts, he's had a good start, bad start, good start, bad start, good start, bad start, taken out because of injury. Another good start and then a bad start. So if we're go if we're playing by I get if we're playing by that number, he should have a good start today. And he has good numbers against the Cardinals too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. He's pitched like two games against the Cardinals, both of it last season, and he dominated. So I guess they're so they're counting on it again. And Cardinals 
have not been the greatest offensive team outside of like Paul Goldschmidt. So I guess they're, so what San Diego wants to do is they want to have, hopefully he gets that fastball command back and that changeup is still dancing around. That's what the Padres really want. I think right exactly. here. And the key to Paddock today is getting on a hot start, being able to locate that fastball, like you mentioned, because that's been his kryptonite. He hasn't had that command that he's had, that he had in 2019. And he needs to, re- I, I think another more keys for him would be to rely on his changeup and rely on his um, splitter. He, he learned a new pitch and it looked pretty nasty. And it is, as well as his curveball, he's got a really nasty curveball, I think. But um, if he can locate his fastball and utilize his uh, off speed as put out pitches, we're going to see the sheriff come out today. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, and now game three, of course, is interesting because, well, you have Paddock and you have Davies, yeah, but your third and your fourth guy, that was Lamette and Clevenger. So game three, according to A.J. Preller, and this is from a tweet by Dennis Lynn, A.J. Preller has gone on record to say that all hands on deck game for game three. That, to me, equals a bullpen day. What's the strategy going in for this? I think you start with – I think you probably start with uh, Garrett Richards, and then it's probably going to go to – probably Adrian Modejon after that. And then it's, you know, maybe like Dan Altavia goes an inning, who I don't know. I said this since he first got traded. He looks a lot like Scott Lambert, but that's a tangent. But, you know, to see um, probably Modejon and then Altavia, and then that's, you know, then you have, you know, about four innings left after that. Tori, I I agree. I think it's going to also depend a lot on matchups. So if there's going to be like two lefties coming up in an inning, um, I can see Tim Hill coming in for an inning and um, <clears throat> even longer if it, if it calls for it. But I can see a lot of these guys, a lot of these relievers, if they're, if they're on, if they're don't, if they're striking out batters and getting outs, they can go two or three innings at a time, no matter who they are, you know, it's the playoffs. You go, you go all in. I know it's a wild card round, but you got to win these games to advance. It's all about winning now. So if you got a hot hand on the mound, keep them out there until they show you that they're they're not doing it anymore. Yeah, you don't want to end up like Minnesota. No, <laughs> no. Let's not do that. But... Question for both of you: Who's the who's probably the most underrated arm in the Padres bullpen right now? Ooh, ooh, I. I think I have the answer for that. I have two answers for that. Go for it. My first one is Pierce Johnson. He's been on fire this entire season. Aside from like one game where he got blown up, he's been great. He's been an excellent signing for the Padres. And I know he hasn't pitched a lot in like the last 10 days or so, the last 10 games. He didn't really pitch a lot. But in a Q&A on The Athletic, Dennis Lynn actually answered this question. He said that the reason Pierce Johnson didn't pitch as much was because they were auditioning other roles for the other relief pitchers because they knew he was going to be in the bullpen. So he's going to be fine in the playoffs. But the other answer, I will, the other guy I want to talk about is Austin Adams. Yes, there we go. That's a good answer. That's yep. a really good answer. He was the other he was the other piece that came to trade for Aaron Nola or Austin Nola. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about the guy from the Phillies. But this guy, I watched this guy. This guy's a lunatic. Like, he'll scream into it. He, he's got this violent 
delivery. He screams into his into his uh, glove. The guy's insane, but he's also really good. I mean, his fastball is on point. His slider is almost incredible. So if the Padres are going to have one underrated reliever in this, it's going to be Austin Adams. Yeah, those are two really good picks. For me, um, this one might surprise you guys, but I think Luis Patino out of the bullpen is a really good sleeper pick. He He's so interesting because you've heard – in baseball of the three outcome hitter who they strike out, they hit a home run or they walk. That's exactly what Luis Patino is. But as a pitcher, he can be wild in the zone sometimes, which he can give up home runs. He can be wild outside the zone, which um, uh, obviously leads to walks. And, but when he's on, he's a strikeout machine. And so we need to, the Padres love, the potential of Luis Patino and they want to see that they want to see him progress into that guy, a more uh, reliable pitcher, someone who could be accurate on the corners. Like he's shown he's been able to, and, and just uh, come out of this postseason as the pitcher that they've wanted, <laughs> you know oh, what I'm trying to say, the pitcher yeah, that I they've wanted to see since they got him in 2016. And another guy, that a lot of guys are sleeping on. He was on the IL for a little bit, but everyone's kind of forgotten about Matt Strom. He's pitching 19 games. He has a blow one whip. He doesn't blow blow batters away, only 15 strikeouts in 20 innings. But he's reliable, and he's a lefty. We don't – with a bunch of righty starters, you know, lefty out of the bullpen is very useful, and Matt Strom has done his job really well this season. San Diego already has some pretty impressive left-handers. I mean, you mentioned Matt Strom, you mentioned Tim Hill, but Drew Pomerantz has also been that guy who he's a lefty, he's a left-handed pitcher, but he can go up against righties and lefties at the same time. But for me, going back to game three, my strategy going into game three is a little bit different from you guys because I'm actually going to have Adrian Morahone take the start first. Adrian Morahone has been that guy who's kind of been like the opening starter so far. I'm having him go three innings. If he can go three innings, that is the best case scenario. Cut him off after three. Garrett Richards in next. Garrett Richards will also go three, maybe four innings because we've seen him start already. I'm not sure why they have him pitching out of the bullpen so far when he started the season in the rotation, but I okay, maybe they're going to release him after the season, which I don't want to see, but if that happens, then it will happen. But Garrett Richards will go three innings, maybe four in a best case scenario. That takes you all the way past, past potentially the sixth inning or the seventh inning. There you go. That, that's perfect right there for you. My only criticism to that is that Adrian Morihone, his last few games, has given up runs within the innings that he's pitched. And he's only pitched a max of three innings in his last three starts. And when you're in game three, you don't want to get off to a – you don't want to get off to a start where you have to come from behind. And as the home team – if you give up runs in the first three innings um, and you aren't producing any runs, obviously you're going to be behind. And uh, I don't think the Padres want to be on top and they want to stay on top in game three. I think that's the strategy. Um, that's why they go Richards because he's been the more sure hand. Um, Morihone's shown a little bit of inconsistency, but he has been good. I think it's a good pick. I just think Garrett Richards is that more sure hand that they're going to throw into – 
to secure a lead in the first few innings. Or, hear me out on this one, do okay. we go with the wild card selection? Do you have Mackenzie Gore debut in the playoffs? No. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't even think that's allowed, unless you fake an injury, but um, it, it's too crucial of a game to throw in a rookie <laughs> fresh, in, fresh from the uh, minor leagues, first game in the playoffs. And you never know. It's the freaking Padres. It's 2020. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to see your opinions of maybe Mackenzie Gore getting a start because we know he's a top prospect, but at the same time, do you really want to throw a rookie pitcher into the deep end of the pool and just completely not give him any water wings or inflatables at all? Just I think you throw him in, in the bullpen, possibly. From what I've heard from San Diego or from at least on Twitter, they don't want Mackenzie Gore to be in the bullpen at all. They want to keep him as a starter. That's what I've been hearing the most from, like, Twitter, at least. But now you have the Cardinals, of course. They have been basically San Diego's playoff demons ever since they – every time we face them, it always seems that the Cardinals come back and knock us out. It never seems to fail. There are quite – there are at least a couple of former Cardinals on this team. You got Tommy Pham, who obviously came for the Rays in the previous trade. You have Greg Garcia, who spent almost a majority of his time in with with the uh, Cardinals. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think. Were there any others, or am I missing anyone? Kip Schumacher was a longtime Cardinal. He's now our associate manager. That's right, Skip Schumacher. I almost forgot about that. Thank you. It's weird. We have like a pseudo manager now here in San Diego. He's great, dude. He's swole too. <laughs> Yum. That's what Mark Grant said. That's why he loves him. Yeah. Can we technically add Fernando to Tease Jr. in this because his dad played for the Cardinals? Yeah. Um, they actually had a press conference and he talked about that mm -hmm. where he was, he's like, I was born when my dad made the playoffs in 99 with the Cardinals. So he, he's just saying like, they did a lot of good things for my dad, but I, I don't really care for them, you know? <laughs> Yeah, this is this is this is the playoff. There's uh, no love. You can't have any love right now. You got to only focus on your oh, team. Oh, did you mention Trevor Rosenthal? That's oh. the guy I was forgetting. <laughs> Trevor Rosenthal. That's the most obvious one. How did I forget that? Yeah, it was a closer. It was a long time closer for the Cardinals. Then he got run out of town. Went stuck with the Nationals, and he was awful with the Nationals. Now he's with the Padres and doing amazing. So hey. Mm -hmm. Good for us. Thank you, St. Louis. power to us. Thank, Thank you, St. Louis, for ruining him. <laughs> but looking at the Cardinals now, they're going to have Jack Flaherty going in game two. They're going to have Kim going in game one. Is this team beatable? Can this offense handle those two starting pitchers? I think they can. I mean, you've seen it all year. When you got Fernando Tatis Jr. and Randy Machado as your one-two in the lineup, that's – two MVP candidates, as we've talked about in the past, you know, of course you can. And then you add the resurgent Will Myers into this. And, you know, this is a lineup that, you know, this offense is unpredictable in a good way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you talked about the top of the lineup, and that's really important. But I think what's special about this Padres team is their depth. You go down to seven, eight, nine, and you see – Jake Cronenworth, who 
is a top candidate for rookie of the year. You got Jerickson Profar, who's been lighting it up in September, and you got Trent Grisham, who's one of the who's not only a Gold Glove candidate, but he's surprisingly good against left-handed uh, pitchers. You saw him light up Clayton Kershaw, and you saw him. You've seen him hit bombs all year. So the top of the lineup's really good. The bottom of the lineup's really good. Um, I think if we limit the strikeouts and we're patient at the plate, the Padres should have no issues facing um, Kim. And game two is actually uh, Adam Wainwright. Who's really? Good. Wainwright's going game two. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the that surprising thing. That I, I did not expect. Okay. He's really wow. good this year. Like, he's really old, but he's been really – He's like prime Adam Wainwright. So yeah. we can't sleep on these guys. The Cardinals are no slumps, but they're de- I, I really think the Padres can beat them. All right, so that's the Padres, though. We have an entire other slate of games going on, especially Gosh. just the games yesterday. This is – Biggest playoff. Yeah, this is a huge – right now for all baseball fans. So let's start off with the American League. Starting off with the games yesterday that were played on the 29th. We're going to go the sixth-seeded Astros. Bang your trash cans if you have them. And the (laughs) the third-seeded Minnesota Twins right now. The Astros win this game 4-1. to Astros scored three runs in the final inning, leading off with a Jose Altuve bases-loaded walk. If you're a Twins fan, can I, I will offer you my humble condolences to all Twins fans out there because after you basically become property of the New York Yankees for the past, like, what, three playoff, three years, now you're thinking, okay, now we can go up against Houston. They, don't ha- they, they can't cheat anymore because they'll be caught. Maybe we have a chance now, but you lose yesterday. You're currently losing now, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's 2-1 going into the bottom of the eighth. Oh my God, no! Can we add more to that too. Go you ahead. don't have you. You don't have Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Because of injury, you had all the other injuries that this Astros team has. I can't yeah. think of any others. You have the entire lineup, like Bregman and Altuve, especially Altuve. They're all slumping this year. Like it's not even the prime Astros anymore. Like even when they, even some might argue that even before they cheated they were a really good baseball team but now they're just a shell of themselves at this point and you're getting beat by them and you got this potent lineup and you can only produce two runs in let's see nine in seven in eight 16 innings so far you've produced two runs that's pretty a lot of a lot of that has to do with the the errors that the twins made in yesterday's in that Game, in game one, you look at that That's ninth right. inning, mm-hmm. Jorge Polanco yeah. with that error. You know, you had then you had the walks on top of that in that ninth inning. And you know, don't forget that really hurt the Twins. And don't forget, this is a team that still has Zach Greinke on them on their leading off in game one. Zach Greinke is a bit of an oddball. He might be on the spectrum a little bit, but he's still an excellent pitcher. He, I mean, he's kind of kooky, but the guy is insane on the mound. So you still have him leading off in game one. But Minnesota, if the, if the score remains the same in this game today between the Astros and the Twins, 
I, I believe it'll be what 19 straight games playoff games they've lost 18 19 straight games something like that some unprecedented amount of games in a row lost now finley you brought up a really good topic before this before we started the show would you rather lose 17 straight playoff games or not make the playoffs at all for 14 years um, I, would ra- I would rather lose 17 playoff games because it shows that you've been good every single one of those years when you've made the playoffs to win at least 80 86 games to well in this year it's probably like 30 30 games you know but you know it shows the what the success that you've had during that time that's a fair answer but I'm going to choose rather not making the playoffs for 14 years because you just become a laughing stock for not winning a single playoff game you make the playoffs every year but you can't finish that's just um it's embarrassing and sure like you know what's cool about not making the playoffs is that you often get a good draft pick, just like the Padres have for the last few years. And we've built up a farm system, and we've been able to make some great trades. I think, yeah, the Twins have shown that they've consistently been good, but they can never finish. So what's the point of making the playoffs if you're not going to finish a single series, a single game? You know, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling. You see, I'm with Finley here. I would rather not make the playoffs 14 straight years because that way, look at the Twins right now. The Twins have become the Washington Capitals of baseball. The Capitals were never able to make it out of the second round for years. They've become the Clippers. The Clippers cannot advance at all past the second round. The Twins can't make it past the first round. They've been getting consistently beaten. And – the thing about the Twins is they've had good teams. They've had – they have – this year, it was supposed to be Bomba Squad 2.0. They signed Josh Donaldson. Nelson Cruz has been on fire. He's been hitting home runs left and right. Jose Barrios is an amazing pitcher. They had a good rotation and a good bullpen. And they had a good bullpen. It's just – why does this team do so good in the regular season just to become a pumpkin in the playoffs? It's, oh, wait, hold on. At least with the Cavs, at least they won their Stanley Cup. That is true. That is true. At least they won a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. After how long? I think maybe a better team to compare them to would be the Maple Leafs in the NHL. Oh, the Maple Leafs, I think, are a better comparison. They, they usually struggle to, to get the whole thing. But this Minnesota, just in general, it's just so sad. Not even just the, not even just the Twins. I mean, they got to deal with the Vikings. Their cousins just inconsistent it's just a cursed city from one cursed city one cursed city to another I feel bad for any Minnesota fans out there so now next game White Sox versus Ace this was something because Lucas Giolotto I don't know if you heard about this this man was on fire yesterday nearly threw a perfect game retired the first 18 batters he saw so, hey, good for you, Lucas Giolotto. Almost won a perfect game. Unfortunately, Mr. Tommy LaStella, he had to come in the seventh inning and get a base hit. I was watching that game, actually. I was watching Lucas Giolotto just deal. And the ESPN broadcasters were talking about something like, oh, it's been, it's, it's amazing. The last guy who threw a perfect game or a no-hitter in the playoffs was Roy Halladay. Literally the 2010. That was right. crazy. Yeah, 
a lot of people are saying that this White Sox team is very comparable to the San Diego Padres, which Absolutely. is super encouraging to hear because obviously we're, we're young, we're in the playoffs, and we, we have a shot to make it far like they do. And Giolito is probably comparable to uh, Nelson Lamette. Uh, some nasty breaking stuff and a pretty potent fastball. And yeah, this White Sox not to be messed with. They might be the seventh seed, but they were in a really competitive AL Central, and that's just how the the cards fell. They had a they had a bad end of the year, but they're still loaded. So if you're the A's, you you're pro- you're sweating right now. You know, yeah. going into Game Two, um, you're not feeling good about it. Mm-hmm, yeah, too with the White Sox, you've you know you've got Luis Robert, you know you've got got Yoan Moncada, you know the the younger guys on that squad, and then you add in the veterans that they have, Jose Abreu. Who would have thought he would have had 60 RBIs this year? You know Yasmani Grandal, former Padre, there. You know the experience that this team has. You add Dallas Keuchel into that mix. You know the, that list of veterans, and you add Tim Anderson, a guy that's really hit the ball well in terms of batting average past few mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim Anderson really softens the right. blow from that one trade they made a few years ago. I don't know, who'd they get? Uh, James Shields? Was that the guy they traded for? Mm. Yes. A great yeah. Padre. Whatever happened to that yeah. Tatis guy they traded for him anyway? Whatever happened to him? Uh, hmm. I, I heard he just hit, he's been hitting rooftop homers in, down at Petco. Really? Wow, that's good to hear. Yeah. You love to see the prospects succeed. You love to see that happen. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the White Sox. The A's are about to lose another wild card, very oh. similar to the Twins, with with another losing streak. And it's it's so weird. They got this money ball mentality where they have a, such a good regular season, and now they're just about to lose it again. They're about to – Patrick Billy Bean. But good news for the A's, A's right now. Currently, as we are speaking right now, it is four to zero in favor of the A's right now. They just, I think they just beat up Dallas Heichel a little bit, so they're still fighting. They're still in there. You know, for for the A's, you got uh, Chris Bassett pitching too, and he's been really one of the better pitchers for the Oakland pitching staff. Definitely, yeah. This Oakland is underrated. I think Oakland is really underrated. I know a lot of people are sleeping on them at the at the two seed because their offense has been struggling. But they're a sneaky good team to me. I mean, that's just my opinion. But a lot of stuff I've been seeing other people say that they don't really care for the A's at two. But that's how the record falls. They seem very boomer bust in their in their lineup. They got a lot of thump. But um, that rotation is pretty pretty young and pretty nasty. So I I, I see your point. They're they're pretty underrated. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to see Billy Bean succeed. I really want to see Billy Bean mm-hmm. succeed. I think another thing that really hurt the A's was when uh, was when Matt Chapman uh, got hurt in the middle of September. But then they picked up a pretty nice piece in Jake Lamb as a result of it. You know, a guy that's you know not really the Jake Lamb that we've seen the last few years in Arizona, but you know a guy that's you know changed his swing once he came to Oakland and you know, kind of pretty much revived his career as we head into this off season. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Thank you, Arizona, for letting go of him. And of course, Arizona just can't seem to develop anyone else because they're Arizona. The second they trade someone away, hey, they're good again. What? How'd that happen? Future topic: Arizona sports might be sadder than San Diego. 
Question mark? No, because at least they can have no. four major sports. Yeah, they have four major sports yeah. teams. They're all pretty terrible. I'm, Cardinals I'm are looking Cardinals good. Cardinals are pretty good this year. Cardinals are pretty good, but history-wise, not. They, they had they had Kurt Warner taken to the Super Bowl. I mean, they lost, but they still they still went. They had yeah, the World Series. Randy Johnson, Chris Schilling. Okay, yeah, they have one championship. Fourteen. One championship. They had Steve. They they've had some good. They've had some really good sports names there. They've had Steve Nash. They've had Randy Johnson. It's not Charles bad. Charles I brought up a, an entire monster that we could talk about later. <laughs> entire monster we could talk about. <laughs> it's a hot take, but I'm like, I'm standing behind it. We could no, that's, a, that, that's, not, that's not as cold a take as you think it was. That's actually not a bad take right there. Arizona has had some struggles the past few years, especially with all their sports teams, but it's looking up now. They got Kyler Murray. They got... They somehow robbed the Texans blind in the middle of the day with New Hopkins. Again, thank you, Bill O'Brien, for being awful. We had but. Madison Bumgarner into that mix. Ooh. <laughs> he won his first game as a Diamondback, <laughs> the last game of the season. What a great what a great acquisition. What a great – That was. Signing. How much was that contract again? Oh, gosh. I think it's, it's worth four, 100 – Four years, 100? I think. No. Four years, Sound like that. Years, I think, hundred mil. Five years, hundred mil. I think. I think they're paying twenty mil a year. Oh, yeah. that's okay. Breaking off. I feel so bad for Madison Bumgarner. You saw this guy run hog wild in the World Series, basically carried the Giants on his back to a World Series win, and then you see him throwing eighty-eight miles per hour. He's giving up home runs to Will Myers and Francis Jr. When I was watching that beatdown, I'm like, oh my god, this is just like. It's like watching one of the game's greats just, like, flailing around the very end, trying to save his career at the last minute. It's just you, – you don't want to see it. It's like seeing Felix Hernandez go down. It's like, man, it's – I just hated to see him get beat up. I like watching him win. I like watching the Padres win, no lie. But seeing Madison Bumgarner like that, I'm like, man, this is – this is sad. This is a travesty. All On right. the bright side, Starling Marte's done well. That's true. Did, didn't they trade him? Yeah, to the Marlins. Of course they did because I know we got we got other things to talk about, but you know it would have been really more beneficial if the Diamondbacks did not sign Bumgartner and had him stay in uh, San Francisco. And mm-hmm. <laughs> same Just division, saying. kind of funny. All right, next up we got the Rays and the Blue Jays. The Rays have been such a weird team. <laughs> they made all these moves in the off season. They got rid of Tommy Pham. They got rid of Jake Cronenworth. They switched up basically their entire outfield. They made all these different trades. They signed all these different guys. Yet they still come out to be the number one seed in the AL East. And it's weird because now they're facing another American League East team in the Blue Jays. Both of these teams have kind of taken different approaches to where they go. The Rays have been this super analytical, super by-the-numbers team. And the Blue Jays have kind of taken the San Diego approach where we're going to completely tank the roster and just build prospects from within because if you look at it San Diego and Toronto have had very similar paths Toronto they tried to go for the big money plays they tried to get Heath Bell Jose Reyes they tried to go for the big guys that didn't work so they just blew up the whole thing and tanked it Padres tried to do the same thing that Blue Jays did they got Matt Kemp Justin Upton Derek Norris that didn't work out so they blew it up and got nothing but prospects now it's worked out for the Blue Jays in the same way it's worked out or the Padres, which, again, 
it's a really strange occurrence. This is two different ideologies we see going to war right now. So far, it seems the Rays have taken that advantage with a three-to-one win yesterday. Blake Snell, of course, going striking out nine batters over five and two-thirds inning, and old friend Manny Margot getting a two-run homer. That's weird. Yeah, I think too. You know, you bring up the Blue Jays and the Padres. You know, in that same breath, you can you might as well just bring up the White Sox in that mix too, and just the way mm-hmm. you know GMs have been able to to rebuild teams. You know, you look at this Blue Jays team. You have sons of former players in the infield, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, um, Bo Bichette. Uh, then you have Rowdy Telez at first base, I'm pretty sure, you know. And then you have a good amount of mix in between, you know, that mix of veterans and rookies. You have uh, Hunjin Ryu for the Blue Jays. Uh, and these different pitchers that have um, succeeded, even um, – uh, I'm pretty sure it's Anthony Bass that's been pitching for the Blue Jays. Anthony Bass, oh my God, that's a name. Anthony Bass, that's a throwback name. Bass. But yeah, he's. I'm pretty sure he's the closer for the Blue Jays. And, you know, I think one main difference between the Blue Jays and the Padres is that when the Blue Jays went all in and got guys like Reyes and they got Tula Whiskey and they got some other big names, they had Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion, they actually made the playoffs and they actually were successful. And they have one of the most iconic home runs of my lifetime with the Jose Bautista bat flip. That was probably the coolest thing. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports, but look, you look at this Blue Jays team right now, their infield is extremely young. They got Luis Goriel in the outfield. Um, I I think this team is good. I don't think they're going to be able to get past this really, really good Rays pitching staff, Mm -hmm. but you know, they've they set themselves up well to compete in 2021 and beyond. And, yeah, it it's an interesting series to watch. I don't think there's going to be many surprises, though. It's the learning experience that these young teams get. You see it not just in baseball, but in, like, NBA, NFL, NHL. All these young teams always come up and they get, like, they squeak in the playoffs with all their rookies and all their exciting young players. And then it's kind of just like, all right, well, you're in the playoffs. We don't expect much out of you kids, but if you go far, great. And if you don't, it's kind of expected. So even these teams don't really have much to lose here because even if they get blown out and destroyed, it's kind of expected because, okay, well, it's the learning process. It happens to every young team. Come back next year. Come back strong next year, boys, and we'll see how you do again before we start judging you. It's yeah, kind of- it's – it's kind of like how the Warriors were before they started winning championships. You know, like that 2014 year when I think it was they, they pushed the Clippers, I think it was, to seven games you know, that year in 2014. And then you see the following year, you see Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala just pushed for that NBA title that following year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prime Splash Brothers right there. But I really think a Padres-Blue Jays World Series would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Or a Padres White Sox, because that, again, Grant Tatis Jr. come back to Chicago, haunt them. They didn't sign Manny Machado, which a lot of, I know a lot of White Sox fans are mad about. But these are, there are a lot of teams like the Blue Jays coming up. And even if they lose the Rays, which I'm kind of expecting them to, it's, it's expected of them. And if they go far, great. Keep going far, kid. You're looking great. Here's looking at you. But if they don't, it's no problem. They'll be back next year. Don't worry about it. And you're facing the Rays, too. This is always an amazing team. Every year they seem to put out great numbers despite being in the 
I think one of the worst stadiums in baseball other than Oakland, which is of course Oakland stadium, but we'll get another tangent for another day. Well, you know, you say you'll, we might see them in the playoff. Yeah, we might. They, they got to face the Rays at least 18 times in a regular season. They've had to face the Rays 18 times a year and they have to face the Yankees 18 times a year. I think this season they were very fortunate that the Yankees had a lot of injuries um, and they were ahead of the Yankees for a little while there in the standings. And the Red Sox were garbage this year. And they obviously get to play the Orioles, who had a surprisingly decent season. But Decent year. Not as horrible as everyone thought they would be. But for me, the, the Blue Jays have a ton of potential. I don't think they, they – they earned their playoff spot this year. But they got a – and they have a lot of potential ahead of them. They just – it's still not going to be easy for them in that AL East division. Yeah, that is that is such a tough division. There are so many – there's a lot of divisions. That, it's, it's hard to say what the toughest division is. I want to say the NL West because, you know, you got the Dodgers. The Dodgers are coming up. The Giants are always a surprising team. But then you got the Diamondbacks and the Rockies lagging behind. The, the AL Central, again, that's another tough division right there. You got the oh, Indians. Yeah. You got the Twins. You got the White Sox. The American League East, you look at that. you got the Blue Jays. you got the Yankees. You have the Rays. And the Red Sox could come back a lot to life at any moment now. So it's like, man, you it's – it's not just a division. It's a gladiatorial pit is what is what looking like in that American League. And speaking of the Yankees, they seem to have their way with the Indians yesterday. Just a little bit. Just a bit, not too much. Just a 12 to 3 spanking. You know, Shane Bieber getting destroyed despite looking like a Cy Young Award candidate. But it's the playoffs, everything happens. Look, Shane Bieber allowed seven runs in less than five innings. He allowed home runs to Aaron Judge and Gleyber Torres. That was not what they were expected. But the Indians had some decent successes in their own. They had. Old friend Josh Naylor, he went four for four, had a home run, almost had a cycle. Two doubles. Yeah, two doubles. He could have had a cycle. He could have extended it to a triple, but they decided not to test it. Phil Maton, if you remember him at all, he went an inning in the third scoreless. Yeah, Phil Maton's done surprisingly well in Cleveland, which is good for him. Too bad he couldn't do that in San Diego. If you, if you remember Adam Simber, he's still pitching. Simber pitched two-thirds an inning, but he allowed two runs. Okay, that's not too bad. Uh, Cal Quantrill, he didn't pitch at all in that game. Brad Hand didn't pitch in that game. Austin Hedges wasn't allowed anywhere near the lineup in that game. But, hey. Not against, not against uh, Garrett Cole. Yeah. yeah, not against Garrett Cole. They're not yeah. having Austin Hedges. He tried a bunt bid, but – because he did that a few times here to help us out. But Austin yeah. Hedges. Who knows? I think Shane, Shane Bieber is shaping up to look a lot like um, the, this generation's Clayton Kershaw, where you can be dominant and do a lot of great things in the regular season, but come postseason time, you're um, you're you're not that. <laughs> I'll, I'll give I'll give Shane Bieber the benefit of the doubt. He's still young. He's very young. He's going to be back in the playoffs soon, eventually. So it's not too. I think it's a little too early to call him a Clayton Kershaw clone. But I see what you're going at it with that. I see where you're going with it. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looking at the uh, the Yankees and their win, you know, you look at the pitching that they had. You know, Garrett Cole, a guy that they signed in the offseason, You know, 
an outing that he wants to have. I think we went six innings, just giving up two runs and had 13 or 12 Ks, 10 plus Ks for sure. Didn't walk anybody. You know, this is why the Yankees went out in the offseason to sign the top pitcher on the market last winter. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the Yankee way, to be honest. It's <laughs> it's the Yankee way. If you're struggling so far and your guys aren't doing good, just go find the guy, the best guy in the market, give him $300 million and say, sign with the Yankees. Come play for us. It's what they've always done. Hal Strymburner is somewhere in his grave smiling right now. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my Yankees right there. That's what they're doing. They I mean, all that's what. That's the advantage you have of having the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. Just yep, and being in and get guys. The, th- the weird thing about the Yankees is, too, is they struggled halfway through the season. Like, there was talk that the Yankees weren't going to make the playoffs because Judge was Judge and Stanton were struggling a little bit. Garrett Cole wasn't being Garrett Cole. Gary Sanchez just forgot how to hit a baseball. And then they had nothing but injuries come through with them halfway through the season. They got decimated by the injury bug. Now they've come back strong and they're still in the playoffs. Can anyone ever stop the Yankees? Will they? Will we ever stop seeing their dominance at all? It, it gets annoying to see sometimes. At least on the bright side for the Yankees all year, they had DJ LeMahieu who led the AL in hitting. That's true. DJ That's probably Le- the only bright side. Yeah, I always liked DJ LeMahieu, even when he was on the Rockies. It was always fun watching DJ LeMahieu. The guy's a gamer. He's just so fun to watch. He's consistent. Mm-hmm. And they also have utility guy. Um, I wouldn't say utility, but utility outfielder Quint Frazier, who came up big for them when uh, they have two huge injuries with um, Judge and Stanton that happens annually. If you have a guy like um, Quint Frazier, you don't have to worry about that too much. You know, still a lot of money there, but with a guy like Quint Frazier, the performance isn't that horrible. And Yankees fans are always going to be kind of like insufferable because they're just Yankees fans. Like, the second something goes wrong in New York, they'll start whining and complaining like the worst thing has happened to them. I don't want to compare them to Lakers fans, but they're kind of like the Lakers of the MLB. I know they could be worse. They could be Mets fans. Okay, yeah, never mind. Never mind. Mets, (laughs) Mets, oh, God. Yeah. The other New York team. The other New York team. My dad is actually from New York. He, he told me, I asked him, so I asked my dad when I was young, I said, how do you know you're a Yankees fan or if you're a Mets fan? He told me, well, if you're a Yankees, if you're like, if you're a Mets fan, you're a blue collar. And if you're a Yankees fan, you're a white collar. He said, Mets fans, they root for the Jets, they root for the Knicks. And Yankees fans, they root for the Giants and they root for the Yankees and they root for Rangers. Rangers, yes. That's who you root for if you're a Yankees fan. And if you're a Mets fan. So no one in New York roots for the, the Nets then? They're, they're Brooklyn. <laughs> if, if you're in Brooklyn, oh, the you root. Bills. <laughs> they're, they're the Jersey team. No one cares about Jersey. <laughs> they're from Jersey. But if you're a Mets fan, you also root for the Jets and the Knicks. God help you. What, what kind of masochism are you practicing over there? And then all, of course, one other team is playing currently right now. Still playing right now. Are they still playing right now? Are the Reds in yeah. the break? Yeah, it's in the yep. 13th inning. It's in the 13th yeah. inning? It's yeah, the Reds tied. have first and third. Runners have first and third. Oh, my God. It's still. There's one out. 
my God, this is why Rob Manford complained about pace of play rules. But before we say anything, I'm glad the pace of play rules aren't involved in this playoffs. I'm glad they're not putting the runner on second base in the, in the next innings. Yes. The playoffs. That was a gimmicky rule. I don't like it at all. I think it's stupid. It's just, it's a gimmick. I liked it. <laughs> you know, it made the game exciting. You know, you got a lot more walk-offs and you can put Jorge Mateo at second base and watch him run the bases, even though he can't hit. I mean, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get your guys' point of view. I felt that point of view, but after watching that, that rule be implemented, I thought it was really fun. And it led to a lot of high, higher scoring games and just one-to-one, you know, it, it, it added a little bit of spice and it was it interesting. Added, it did add tension. I'll give it that. There was a lot of tension added to it and it was fun watching the tension, but I'm glad it's not in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't want it to be in the playoffs because if a game is decided like that, the playoffs, whoever loses that that's game. Will cheap. I agree with that. That's, that's true. But they had to get through this season and not have 17 inning games because of everything that's going on. And I think that was a really good solution. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was fun, and it got through games quick. I think the longest game I saw this season was like 12 or 13 innings. So, Sounds about right. Yeah. But one thing everyone here can agree on, and all baseball fans can agree on here, thank God Angel Hernandez is not an umpire at all in this playoff <laughs> series. Well yes. – I agree with that. The umpires as a whole this year have not been great, but at least we got one of them not in the, the big one. Angel Hernandez is not in the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, I think old country Joe West is out in the Atlanta Atlanta series right now. And also Rob Drake is back and he's doing for the Padres. Oh, so okay, he better not be calling balls and strikes. He's uh, he's in right field today, so oh, that's okay. good. He can't screw that up, but we thought Joe. We thought the same of Joe West last year with the Astros, and hopefully, they, hopefully Rob Drake can see the the white line out there. I feel. Oh, uh, and by the way, for people listening, yeah, it's it's the top of the thirteenth inning in Atlanta right now. The score is zero to zero. <laughs> There's been zero runs produced in this game so far. And it is. I, yeah, it, I think it's actually. A playoff record. It's an. I think they've just made LB history for going all the way to 12 innings in a postseason game and not scoring a run. I think Jeff Passan just tweeted that out. So, thanks to Trevor Bauer and thanks to old friend Max Fried for just throwing dimes all day, for keeping it scores all day. I'm pretty sure if you love pitching, this is the game for you right now. So much for the Reds signing all that offense in the offseason to get them zero runs. Moustakas, oh. <laughs> oh my god. Moustakas was Mike Moustakas was is basically an inside joke for me and my brother because every time my brother plays fantasy baseball, he always goes for Mike Moustakas and throws him on his team. It never fails. He always gets Mike Moustakas for his oh team. My gosh. All right, here we go. Moose is gonna lead us to the championship again. And each time he played each time my brother and I played fantasy baseball, he always lost in the playoffs and it was always to me. So I hang that over his head every time. You love moose. You gotta love moose, then. <laughs> so, Jason, did you call? Did you call it the Moose Award then, because you won? That's actually a good idea. I should have called it that, but I think we all. I think I actually won back to back because I'm not gonna brag about fancy baseball because in fancy football I'm only doing okay right now. I'm two and one in fancy football, but in fancy baseball, I was back to back champion. 
It's also because no one picked up Aaron Judge or Cody Bellinger in like 2016. They were on waivers, so I just picked him up and rode them all the way to the playoffs. <laughs> it's you know, that that's so great. <laughs> that's one way to win right there. Just just do a little bit of casual dumpster diving. That doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt anybody. All right, we only have like I think we only got like what five minutes left in this show right now. So. We're going to break away from baseball really quick. I'm sorry, Andrew. I know this isn't, this isn't your field. We're going to talk a hey, little I can, learn. I can learn. You guys are both smart about this, so I'll take a back seat. It's all good. Hey, that didn't come from me. That came from Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, right. just not a, I'm not a big basketball guy. I'm here to learn. All right, so Brevin, NBA Finals are on. I th- I'm pretty sure uh, this is a matchup where – not a lot of people were expecting – a lot of people were expecting the Lakers to be in the NBA Finals, of course, because they were the Lakers. Some people were saying they're the underdogs of the playoffs. No, they weren't. The Lakers were not the underdogs. Get that out of your head. But the Heats are now coming in. I'm pretty sure the NBA wanted to see the Celtics for Boston versus L.A., but instead they're getting L.A. versus Miami. Still a good story, though, because that's LeBron James's former team, won two straight NBA, NBA Finals appearances, won the NBA <laughs> there. So now it's LeBron versus old team. This is an interesting scenario right here. It is. I think, too, you know, the way the, way the Heat have been playing to outlast the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, the way, did, the way they did, you know, with Tyler Hero putting up 37, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, Bam Adebayo. And, you know, it was a really great series for the Heat, and they're hoping that momentum can continue into the finals. And how about – the job that Pat Riley's done with that franchise now yeah, for definitely. five, six decades now. And, you know, it's really turned uh, the 305 around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's honestly, it's good to see Miami back in the, in the finals. They've struggled for a long time, just trying to get back to that playoffs because they had the big three, they had the decision, they had LeBron, they had Chris Bosh, they had D-Wade. They won those two straight finals. Then LeBron left and everything kind of fell apart after that. But Miami actually had a... Miami's the way Miami got here was not easy. They swept the Pacers to start off, and the Pacers are always an underrated franchise, in my opinion, with Victor Oladipo sweeping Indiana. Now they got to go up against the Bucks, the number one seed in the East, taking them to town, winning that one right there, take the Bucks on. Now you got to face the Celtics, another strong team right there, and you beat the Celtics. Now they're in the finals again, and it's again a resurgent Jimmy Butler is one of the reasons why they're back. You know. He was on the Sixers for the, for a while. They didn't like him on the Sixers. They booted him off. He wanted some – he was clashing with the coach, I believe, who was at the time. I don't remember his name, but he was clashing in Philadelphia. He was clashing in Minnesota. He struggled there, and he left for Philadelphia, and now he's in Miami. The Lakers think, had a – go, go ahead. ahead. I think, too, with Jimmy Butler, it's probably the, the heart that he has to his team and the way he plays. It's going to give you the – the heart every single play he's going to give it all with butler he's he's always tenacious he's the kind of guy who can who wants to play he wants to win at the same time he wants to beat you and punch you in the face when he's doing it he's that kind of guy he's aggressive but i love that play style out of jimmy butler i may sound like i don't like it but this is amazing i love seeing jimmy butler play basketball (laughs) lakers on the other hand i mean it's the lakers of course you knew the Lakers were going to be in the finals. You knew it was going to happen. Well, the- unless, you thought, unless you thought the Clippers were going to be the Lakers in the Western Conference finals. 
Uh, <laughs> Which didn't saw, happen. If you saw how Paul George was playing, even if they oh, made God. it, the Lakers, that wouldn't have happened at all. What do they call him? Playoff P? Playoff P? Yeah, Playoff P. <laughs> Apparently he fell asleep the whole time, so goodbye. Yeah. I mean, they beat the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers never really had a chance, to be honest. No. The Rockets, they had I – mean, look at the Rockets. The Rockets had James Harden. They had Russell Westbrook. If, you, if Triple Double Man can't lead you to the, to the NBA Finals, who will? That, that's just a team full of egos right there. And yeah, too, the, that, that Rockets team was too small for the Lakers. That, that's true. That was the they other thing. Have, they didn't really have the big men to compete with LeBron and Anthony no. Davis. And now you had the Nuggets. I really wanted to see the Nuggets mm-hmm. in the finals. I know it's the Lakers and, you know, it's Kobe passed away. This is the season. That you want to win for Kobe. But I wanted to see the Nuggets in there. They were the underdogs. Like, come on, please, can we please let the underdog guys get in there for once. But it didn't happen. So, Brevin, who do you think's winning this one? You know, going back to the Nuggets before I make this pick, you know, you look at the way the Nuggets play. Jamal Murray... Nikola Jokic, you know, and to push that series to seven games really pushed the Nuggets out in front for next year. But going back to your pick, I'm going to have to pick Lakers in six. I think with the way that he play, they're going to push it to the Lakers. With the, the Lakers, with LeBron and AD, Anthony Davis, they're going to find a way to turn it on in the series. For me, I like the pick, but I think I'm going to go with Lakers in seven. I think Miami's going to give them one heck of a fight. They're not going to go down easily. That's going to be – Miami's not going to go down easily, and they know LeBron was the guy who took them to the NBA Finals back-to-back years. So they want, to, they want to show LeBron, hey, we're still here. We can still play. I think it's going to be a close matchup. It's going to be closer than what a lot of people expect here. I, don't, I think the Heat do have a chance, though. The Heat still have a chance in this fight. Oh, yeah, they do. I mm-hmm. think, yeah, like I said, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, you know, even Goran Dragic, uh, the veteran out there in Miami. Finley, anything you want to add? Um, I mean, I've said this before, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bet against LeBron. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just I've, I've heard good things about both these teams and the Heat have fought back. So it'll be an interesting series. That's all I can really say about this. All right. We are at the top of the hour right now, so I believe it is time to sign off on yet another episode of Pick Quick note, bottom seven, we forgot to mention the series, Cubs are losing to the Marlins 5-1. to one. Marlins are staying perfect. The Marlins are going to stay perfect and it's going to way through the playoffs. It's going to oh happen. Gosh. Party like it's 2003? <laughs> Party like it's 2003. Oh my God, um, it's going to happen again, isn't it? It's going to yeah. happen. All right. Now, this is the we are at the end of our episode, unfortunately. It was great talking to you guys again. Oh, I'm your host, Jason Freunds. I am joined by Evan Honda and, and Andrew Finley. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to us today and ramble about baseball and sports. We hope you have a wonderful day.